Hello and welcome back to Cooking the Books with me, Julie Smith, and to the podcast which looks at the stories of food, linking the thinking about what we eat, who we are, to create a deeper connection. And that covers everything from food memories to local sourcing to what happens when we have too much of the wrong foods. Yeah, carrying the weight, looking a bit hot and sweaty, and I can now recognise it in people. And I never know whether to say anything or not because it depends on how well I know that person. But I look at someone, I think, I could help you. Katie Caldesi wrote the 30-minute diabetes cookbook with her husband, the Italian chef Giancarlo Caldesi, after he was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. With a foreword by Dr. David Unwin, the pioneering low-carb GP whose diabetic patients have seen astonishing results under his care, and expert nutrition advice from Jenny Phillips, it's a must-read for anyone with a telltale big belly. Katie told me how you tackle reducing carbs with a pasta-loving chef. Giancarlo and I met about 24 years ago and I was a painter and I painted frescoes and murals and he commissioned me to come and paint a mural in his restaurant and I just fell in love with the food and then him and he says he fell in love with my artwork and and then me um so it was a fair swap really <laughs> but food is absolutely central to your life you know we're talking about a book that is about changing the way you eat you know diabetes affects four million people in the uk and this was the reason why you changed your lives but when you first met Italian food, the pasta was at the centre of of everything that you became and do as a couple. Um, Yes, it was. Pasta was the first thing we started to teach other people. Pasta was the first thing he cooked for me and I just loved it. And I don't think I realised quite how lovely pasta could be until I it was cooked for me by an Italian. Um, and with all the lovely flavours that goes with it and the texture of pasta, you know, it, it was all about pasta, you're right. And I think for Giancarlo, it just became too much about pasta and he, he ate too much of it and too frequently. And had we known then what we know now, life would have been very different. So what do we know now? What happened? Tell us the story of what happened 10 years ago. He, his, well, both of us were getting larger and larger and, and loving life. I mean, loving living in London, loving going to restaurants, loving eating at our restaurant. We ate what we want when we wanted, really, and we were very spoilt and, and thoroughly enjoyed ourselves. We were writing books about Italian cookery, travelling to Italy, going to taste food in Italian restaurants over there, work with mummers in their kitchens and, and just enjoying life so much, but without a a care in the world really about what we were doing to our bodies and his body didn't respond well to high amounts of starchy food um i i was okay and i still am okay i'm I'm not even pre-diabetic thank goodness but but his body obviously couldn't cope with it so yes it was it was a shock all round. so tell us what happened the moment when you realized that something was up Well, we should have realised before, and one of my messages that I want to get out to people is that if they've got weight around the middle, if they're constantly thirsty, if they always want to go for a wee, if um, they feel highs and lows of blood glucose, and you can feel that, you can really feel that in your body when you're starving hungry, and then the next minute you're quite um, sleepy because you've overfed, and... So all of those things were really recognisable. However, we didn't recognise them. And so over the years, he got worse and worse and worse. 
until um, one day he was driving home and his eyesight went blurry as he was driving. And he was really scared by this and managed to pull in and called me and said, I don't know what I'm going to do. I can't see anything and I'm driving. And oh my God, are you somewhere safe? I'll come and get you. He said, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Just talk to me. So I, I spoke to him for a while and eventually his eyesight came back and he actually wasn't far from home. So he said, I think I'm okay. I can, I can make it home. But it was enough of a shock for him to take himself off to the doctor's. And it was a Saturday, so we couldn't go and see our normal GP. So he went to see a, a private doctor as like an emergency appointment. And um, I think that was amazing, really. It was well worth the money. That half hour appointment, um, it, you know, cost because he was given 30 minutes. So he could slowly just go through all the symptoms and... The doctor said, actually, as soon as you walked through the door, I knew, knew what was the matter with you. But it was that 30 minutes. Be- because of what, Katie? What? Weight because around the middle. The, the belly. Weight around yeah, the middle. Yeah, carrying the, middle. the weight, looking a bit hot and sweaty. And I can now recognise it in people. And I yeah. never know whether yeah. to say anything or not, because it depends on how well I yeah. know that person. But I look at someone, I think, oh, I could help you because I know I know yeah. what to do. But I, you know, I'm not a not a doctor. I'm not even a nutritionist. I yeah. never studied medicine. I'm not in a position to do that, and I make that clear. But it, you, when you see someone like that, you think I recognise that because I recognise what Giancarlo went through, and I I yeah. want to yeah. spread the word. So let's give it a name. It is type 2 diabetes. Yes. It used to be known as mature onset diabetes. My father had it when he was oh, 60. Right. Very often happens with people who bon yes. love yeah. life. They get too yes. fat. We now know, I mean, one of the things that COVID has revealed yeah. is that obesity is a real killer. I mean, we knew that before, uh, is a huge uh, weight on the NHS. But now we know that actually, if you get COVID and you are obese, you are likely to get it much, much worse, yes. and if, if not die. And Boris Johnson was an, was an example of that and took it very seriously yes. as a result. And we are now waging a war against obesity, probably more quickly and more effectively than we would have done before Boris yes, got ill. Maybe, yes. um, for you, it was an immediate change of your life. You'd already noticed that your children were coming home and getting into snack foods and junk food, and you'd already started thinking that this wasn't such a great idea for your kids as well. So this is your first food moment, isn't it? Having a snack yeah. with apples and cheeses. Yes. I mean, it's a wonderful, proactive way to keep the kids interested in food. Tell us what you did. So um, when Giancarlo was 60, on his 60th birthday, Flavia was 10. And so we got talking about those 50 years and how much had changed and Giancarlo's childhood and what Giancarlo got up to when he was 10. And um, it was so, so different to Flavio. And um, then we started looking at what they, what Giancarlo ate and what we ate. And we realised our diet had become quite heavily into sort of easy food. I don't think we bought ready meals. I mean, we, we cook, so we can, we can whip up a meal easily. But we had allowed the kids to have lots of treats like crisps and chocolates. And a lot of things we did were sort of, if you do that, mummy will give you some crisps. And, and I think that is so wrong looking back at it and I shouldn't have said that really mommy will give you a hug but it doesn't have to be driven you don't have to bribe your children with things that are actually slightly mildly toxic to them that's crazy but I, th- I know a lot of us slip into that and I-, I was no better than anyone else um 
And so we decided to go back 50 years and incorporate some of the way that Giancarlo ate into our lives. So we just got rid of all the crisps and sweets, but we didn't say anything to the children because we didn't want to start a war. And, um, you know, or, or just be overly sort of, um, you're not having this, you're not having that. It wasn't about that. I realized if you'd put something else down instead of the bag of crisps, they would just eat that and they wouldn't even notice the bag of crisps wasn't there. This was when they came home from school, that sort of thing. So we went picking apples and um, we also went to La Fromagerie, the cheese shop in Marylebone. Mm -hmm. And it's not the cheapest place to go if you want good cheese. But it, I mean, cheese isn't cheap rather. So I was prepared to lay out some money on going to a cheese shop. But it was so much less than going to an adventure park. So much less. So in, in terms of value for money, I think we got much more out of it because the kids got a, a slight sort of... A quick education in cheese they were wonderful there and they took the kids around the cheese tasting room and we came back with all these different cheeses and then we came back with apples from the local apple farm and we did a thing of pairing different apples with different cheeses and not all of them went some of them were wonderful together so um that is what they had when they came home from school and the television went on they had this big plate of um, cheese and and apples yeah, and it's a game, isn't it? It's something to learn, something to take on. You're absolutely right. There's no point in telling kids they can't have something, but to introduce them to something new is always fun because kids yes. just love discovering new things. Your The recipe that you choose from the book as part of, to illustrate that first food moment is the blue cheese pear and watercress salad. Is it just because that is a beautiful pairing? Yes, and sometimes I think it's easy, and, and as chefs as well, it's easy to, to lose the simple things in life. And when I did that with cheese and apples, I mean, the whole family just loved it. We loved going to get the food and we loved the taste of the food together. And when you have something like blue cheese and pear and watercress, as a recipe writer, I'm thinking, oh, that's been done before. You know, we've had that. Everyone knows that. And so you tend to think, I need to put a new twist on it. I need to do something else. Sometimes you don't. You just need to remind people that there are these really simple, lovely combinations and one of the things in the book is the no cook chapter and that's from the no cook chapter because I, I wanted people to realize that you can just combine two foods three foods together and it's lovely and sometimes you don't need to cook them it's just to enjoy those simple flavors yeah absolutely I mean it's a reminder I'm constantly looking through cookbooks just to kind of think oh what shall I have for lunch oh, oh yeah of course it's not that I need to learn to cook it it's no. just like oh yeah I've got all that um yeah. I'll, I'll I'll put it together on a plate and that'll be lovely so what you're saying is basically it's food that, that people have been eating for, for, for hundreds of years, actually, and that we've just forgotten. It's about losing our connection, which is why we're in such a climate emergency, which is why we've, you know, we, we buy so much junk food, why we get so much obesity in our population. We've lost the plot. That's it, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, we have. We've just lost the plot and, and forgotten to enjoy simple things that aren't harmful to us in in any way so yeah, yeah. sorry about my dog barking <laughs> that's all right we get a lot of dogs on this show um the the book isn't just full of reminders to eat the stuff that you've already got there are lots of wonderful recipes in there and new combinations of flavors but there's a lot of information for people who might be spotting that weight around the belly you know, those people who are going listening to this and going, oh, gosh, you know, my partner, my husband, my child, my whatever. That's 
that's happening to them, they will get a lot of information. It's basically proposing a low-carb diet, and you explain why that works. Taking the white carbs, for example, and turning them green was very interesting. But looking at my very healthy diet in my kitchen i'm looking at that lovely brown sourdough that i get from the flower pot bakery every other morning and i thinking if i'm going to go for a low carb diet that's got to go it has got to go it depends on how low you want to go so i wanted to make it clear that we're not no carb at all that we still you know occasionally i'll go to the restaurant and i'll still have a beautiful bowl of fresh pasta that the chefs have made and i'm never going to want to give that up um, and and actually, if you wanted your piece of bread, you could still have that within a low-carb diet, but it's just you wouldn't be having bread for breakfast, bread for lunch, pasta yeah. at supper. It's that, really. I mean, yeah. low-carb is considered anything under 130 grams of carbs a day. So um, if you've got a lot of weight to lose and you've been diagnosed as type 2 diabetic – you're probably better, we think, to keep your carbs under 50 grams, even under 30 grams of carbs a day, if you, that's net carbs, if you really want to lose the weight quickly and get better quickly, which is why people do that sort of um, diet with shakes or the fast diet, anything to just shift the weight quickly, you bring the carbs right down and you should hopefully shift the weight and make your condition better. If, like you and I, we're not pre-diabetic, but we just want to maybe lose a few pounds or just feel a bit more energetic and and not have those kind of highs and loads of blood sugar, then we need to keep under 130 a day. I'm I'm probably around... I probably never go over about 70 grams of carbs a day. So yes, I'm, no, I'm, I'm also never going to turn my back on sourdough bread and artisan bakers. I love all that. Yeah. But I just won't but just have not it all day. of the time. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. And when I did make your lovely uh, brown bread, easy, quick brown bread last night, I made it as a focaccia. And it is your second food moment. Um, well, Giancarlo and I, 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 because I was still a bit overweight and I had IBS, um, even after he was diagnosed as being um, having type 2 diabetes, we cut out sugar, but we didn't cut out the starches because what we hadn't realised, and this is crucial, is that starch turns to glucose in your bodies. And we all learnt it in biology lessons in school, but most of us have forgotten all of that. And so... Um, he actually, his HbA1c, his blood sugar levels got worse even after he was diagnosed because he just didn't, didn't cut out all the starch. He just cut out sugar in his coffee. That was it. That wasn't going to do any good. So he was still overweight. I was overweight and had IBS. I thought, maybe it's gluten. Everyone was giving up gluten. So I thought, I read that wheat belly book, which was fascinating. Giancarlo, I'm going to give up gluten. And he said, I'll do it with you. Anyway, after three days, I felt no different whatsoever. And actually, I'm not intolerant to gluten. He, however, said, oh, my goodness, I feel amazing, don't you? He said, I feel so kind of clear headed. This was after three days and he had inflammation. He had arthritis in his knuckles and the inflammation went down after three days. So that's how we met Jenny Phillips, the nutritionist. We went to see her on the recommendation of a friend of mine. And she said, I'm going to get you tested. So when the test came back for him, he was highly gluten intolerant. I mean, almost borderline celiac. So poor man had been eating all this gluten for ages without realizing that was what was making him very sick, as well as the diabetes. So he was really in a bad way. And um, so then I started slowly developing recipes like gluten-free pasta and gluten-free bread and things. 
not particularly low carb. I didn't know about low carb, but because we gave up pasta and bread and pastries and everything else, because also our son was diagnosed with being gluten intolerant, it runs in the family. So, mm. oh dear, we ha- we just became a sort of low carb family inadvertently because we were giving up all of the things that had gluten in and all of the things that had sugar in. And when you do that, you inadvertently go low carb. We both started losing weight and feeling fantastic. And so what was a sort of tragedy at the beginning? Think, oh my goodness, I've got type 2 diabetes. No, oh my goodness, I'm gluten intolerant for a, a man... An Italian chef in his 60s, it seemed like a disaster, actually probably saved his life and and saved him from feeling bad the rest of his life. And so that's how the bread came along. I mean, the bread is linseeds, coconut flour, ground almonds. um, What else? Um, Yes, it's all pretty wholesome, real ingredients. There's nothing weird in there. And, And I think... I love to say to people when I'm holding cookery courses, just imagine the ingredients of what you're eating. If you imagine them on a plate, do you know what they look like? You know, do you know what metabisulfite looks like? Or, you know, do you know this and do you know that? And if it's stuff that you don't recognise, it's probably better not to eat it. If, however, you're envisaging this quick brown bread that I make and it's a pile of seeds and some nuts and an egg and a bit of baking powder, then that's fine. You know that that's a good thing to eat. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. We, I made it last night and we had it for breakfast again this morning. Um, yeah, it works really well. I, I have to say I'm not going to no. give up my artisan <laughs> sourdough from the Flower Pot Bakery because it is totally delicious. Exactly, but I'm just not yes, going to have it yeah. every day. And I am going to try this because I think that, you know, as we stumble yes. out of lockdown into the light and, and join <laughs> the world again, I, you know, I probably do need to lose my half day. <laughs> it has to be said. Um, but having said that, a lot of the recipes in the book are full, full fat. I mean, yeah. double cream. You say the things you should have in your in your pantry and your fridge. Double cream, mascarpone. I mean, these things I haven't, I haven't and full fat Greek yogurt ages. And you're giving full permission. olive oil, ghee, butter. Olive oil I yeah. use all the time anyway. But yes. that's the point, isn't it? It is yes. really delicious. You just take out. You know, I can do without white rice and without potatoes if I'm having beetroot yeah. and pumpkin and squash and 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 wonderful things with some gorgeous yeah. double cream. I mean, I'm going to do the sea bass, the tarragon, yeah, and the braised gem lettuce with double cream. Yes, how glorious is that? So, your third food moment is something I had last night. Again, super super easy. Looks beautiful on the plate. The oh, linguine yes. with yes. pesto. Actually, I had it with Rose mm. Harissa because uh, I didn't have any pesto. Um, and mozzarella yeah. with some lovely little tomatoes um, grown locally. Um, it was really pretty on the plate. I was, and I it realized, sounds pretty with the colours that you're describing, yes. Yeah, um, it, it was really satisfying, actually, yeah. although we did have the focaccia with it. Yeah, so I mean, vegetables okay. are carbs, but they're low carbs and they're not carbs that are going to shoot your blood gl- glucose levels high so so you know it's that's what i mean about it's not no carb it's lower carbs and choosing your carbs so choosing vegetables that are green mainly those that are grown above the ground rather than um potatoes and sweet potatoes etc so that's that's why it's it's low carb not no carb yeah and i think that as we come out of the hungry gap as well and we start to see colors you know we can start thinking about Oh, wonderful green vegetables, salads. We can think about all yes. sorts of beautiful colours back on the plate. That's what you say, don't you? You say loaded up with green vegetables, salads, cauliflower, 
rather than pasta yes. rice. Yes, and cabbage. I, I just love cabbage. And so there are so many different cabbages out there and, and you can do so much with cabbage. I absolutely love it. We all do. I love stuffed cabbage leaves. I love um, shredded cabbage that's wilted down with a little bit of butter and pepper and salt and a little bit of water in a pan. It takes about six, seven minutes to just wilt down that um, Savoy cabbage. Oh, it's so colourful and beautiful and tasty. And then we have our pasta sauces with that rather than pasta. So that's how we keep the carbs down. Yeah. Your fourth food moment is the quick Tuscan ragu. Now, you know that I am not one of those people who will buy into the time poor narrative. (laughs) But tell me why you chose this one. Because uh, the whole book is about cooking in 30 minutes. And um, I, I know exactly what you mean. Time poor is, is an odd expression when it comes to cooking because I think it's so important that we should devote time to it, more time to cooking for ourselves than perhaps watching a favourite television programme or do it at the same time. But do allocate that time to cook for yourselves. I'm, I'm totally on board with that. However, I realise that there are lots of other people out there who don't want to spend more than 30 minutes in the kitchen but still want to eat well. And, and actually sometimes it's daunting for them to, to devote more time to it. I've met people on cookery courses that say... I'm not a very good cook, but when I've tried, my family haven't liked it. And then we end up just getting something out of the freezer. And I, I feel so sorry for them. That's that's a horrible way to be. And, you know, I've had my share of disasters that the kids don't like or Giancarlo doesn't like. But generally, when you've been cooking for years, you, you're probably fairly good at it. And, you know, you probably cook enough good things to please your family. So I think I think people are nervous of cooking and they don't want to devote hours and hours to it just in case it goes wrong. So um, with the publishers and I, we came up with this 30 minute idea. Let's see what we can do in 30 minutes that's healthy and low in carbs. And um, I think the ragu is a good option of that. So the quick Tuscan ragu, I've always cooked it so slowly in the way that I was taught to cook it by um, Giancarlo's family. Um, but actually, it's not so bad if you do want to do it in 30 minutes. It's so much better than buying a jar of pasta sauce. And and then you can freeze it in batches. And then you can take that out of the freezer when you want it. You can microwave it to defrost it. And hey, presto, you've got good, wholesome food in minutes what's the what's the key to it what makes it quicker you just cook it over quite a high heat i think with a lot of these things i've upped the um the the oven temperatures i've upped the hob temperature so you're cooking fast and if you cook in a wide pan like a big wide frying pan you because you wouldn't think of doing that for a ragu or like a bolognese you would think of doing it in a saucepan if you do it in a big wide pan you've got more surface area so you can boil away the water from the tomatoes more quickly and concentrate the flavor so if you're brave keep the heat high keep stirring it big wide pan you can cut the time back and it still tastes good it's not going to be the same as something that's boiled away for six hours like our ragus at our restaurants it's you know it's not going to be the same as that but it's still nice and it's still so much better than something out of a jar that probably has sugar in it absolutely the book is so much more than a cookbook recipes. yes i know and they're always called cookbooks but you know that does worry me and whenever i'm talking to people i always say please read the science before you do anything you've got to read the science don't just cook all the high fat recipes because you're probably not going to lose weight you need to read the science and understand it and then you have one filling thing for supper maybe you don't have breakfast the next day or you know it's it's how to use the book that that 
you know, yeah, and it goes into intermittent yes, fasting. Yeah. But but really importantly, you know, Dr. Unwin, who writes the introduction, and it's a big introduction, he talks about his patients and he's got he talks about the last 20 years of this experience of of diagnosing diabetics advising them on diet and watching these extraordinary results yes it's been wonderful working with him and we've been up to southport and met his low carb group and seen um firsthand how people look well and energetic and and healthy and how they've turned their lives around people with asthma feel so much better people used to snore at night and have sleep apnea don't because they've lost the weight there are so many other conditions rather than just type 2 diabetes that are helped with low carb and it was great to go and and meet those people and and witness their transformations yeah and of course you don't do these kind of cookbooks without a good nutritionist and you've given jenny phillips masses of space in this book to really explain the nutrition behind it i mean it's a great read good yeah we wanted that we wanted people to understand how their bodies work because had we understood that we would never have got into this mess with giancarlo and you know there are certain things like his feet and he had gout for years which is now better touch wood but things like that that you know, he, he should never have got into this mess in the first place. And that's why it's so important that people understand this and read the science. And it, it should be everywhere. Everyone should understand how their bodies work. And then we, we'd all eat better, I think. So where are you at now? Giancarlo has lost how much weight? He's lost nearly four stone. Wow. Yeah, but he's not really planning on losing anymore. He's just maintaining his weight and maintaining his HbA1c. And we had that done just before Christmas. And he's still under the pre-diabetic border, which is fantastic. And he'll tell you he treats himself every now and again. And he'll have a bowl of gluten-free pasta at our restaurants. Because he he doesn't want to live in in the completely restricted way that doesn't suit him he's better off a kind of 90 percenter like me 90 percent of the time low carb 10 percent of the time actually we're going to go and have a lovely dinner tonight and treat ourselves so that's that suits us it doesn't suit everyone but it suits us and most importantly this low carb diet that you write about so deliciously in the book and comprehensively with Dr. Unwin and Jenny Phillips, your nutritionist, his diabetes went into remission. And now, it, 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 what's the term for it? it it's, it's just literally doesn't exist. Normal. Yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> yes, amazing. I mean, that yeah, is amazing. I know. He's just like the rest of us. Yeah. So his, he, he doesn't have high glucose levels anymore. So that is fantastic. And he feels so much better, clearer headed, more energetic. He used to be asleep all the time. And now he's kind of... You know, he's 69, he's just turned 69. And what do you want for his birthday? A bicycle. We bought him a bike. That's pretty good at 69, isn't it? We're all very proud of him. Thanks for listening. You can buy the 30-Minute Diabetes Cookbook by Katie and Giancarlo Caldesi and all the books featured on Cooking the Books by clicking on the bookshop tab at jillysmith.com. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts and I'll see you next week when I'm with the Andre Simon Award shortlister Dakani Ayubi and her book Parwana, Recipes and Stories from an Afghan Kitchen. Mm-hmm.